Welcome to Are You Mental, a podcast about mental health. My name is Mick Andrews, and a big welcome along to Season 2. Now, I had no idea when I launched Season 1 back in February last year just how relevant mental health was about to become. And I'd like to say a big thank you for those of you who have been in touch to tell me that this podcast in some small way has been helpful in a really unsettling time. Now, many of you will have noticed it's been a while since my last episode. I've since had a summer break. I've made a kids podcast called Story Space, but I'm really looking forward to cracking back into Are You Mental? It's been really cool watching season one get more and more popular. As I record this, there's been over 13,000 downloads. Interestingly, the Bipolar episode has been listened to twice as much as any other episode. And back in December, the US took over New Zealand for the most daily listens. In fact, New Zealand has now sunken down to fourth position behind Australia. So, you know, come on Kiwis, pull your socks up. Anyway, that's enough chit chat. Let's get on with this week's episode. In season one, you will have noticed just how many guests say that therapy has helped them through some really hard times. And it occurred to me that so many people listening haven't actually been to therapy and don't know what it's like. And a whole lot of people would rather go to a dentist for a root canal without anaesthetic than to sit in an armchair sharing their deepest stuff with a stranger and paying for the privilege. Another thing I get asked a lot is what's the difference between different types of therapists? What flavor of therapist should I go to? So this is all the stuff that we're gonna get to the bottom of today. And to do that, I managed to get three therapists, a counsellor, a psychologist, and a psychotherapist into the same room at the same time and grill them about what they do and how they do it. Now, I know some of you will be thinking, Mick, you've forgotten about psychiatrists, but I'm going to talk about them halfway through the episode because they fit into a slightly different category. Okay, so let's meet our therapists. This is Daniel. I've recently been teaching myself 3D design. Daniel is a clinical psychologist and has been practicing for nine years. He spent some of that time working with a well-known Kiwi rugby player, John Kerwin, on a mental health app called Mentimia. Next, we have Victoria. I like to make clothes and love it. It's really nice having that creative thing to do outside of work. Victoria is a psychotherapist and has been practicing for 11 years. And lastly, we have Sabrina. We've just got a camper trailer. And so we're going to do a few expeditions with our camper trailer. When she's not living the camper trailer dream, she's a counsellor and has been practising for 20 years now. She also teaches counselling at university. Now, if you've already forgotten who's who, don't worry. There's plenty of reminders throughout the episode. So here's how our chat went down, starting with the most obvious question I could think of. What is therapy? Who wants to go first? (laughs) To me, uh, I think it's that moment when someone recognises that they don't want to keep struggling with something on their own and recognise that, yeah, they need some support. Mm. Well, I think it's, yeah, two people coming together and talking. Mm. Wow, so that, yeah, right. I think think the talking is not just talking, it's intentional talking. Oh, of course. So it's intentional in that it's designed to assist one person to explore what's bothering them, maybe making sense of their world and and getting some support and assistance with the things that are bothering them. And it's not somewhere where you can come along and expect someone else to fix everything for you. It's Mm. about working alongside someone Mm. with whatever they bring. But it would be nice if it was a place to get fixed. Yeah, would I? (laughs) 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 Is Is it not ever? 
I think that's definitely part of it. I mean, that's what people come for mm. is to, you know, in a general sense, they want some help with something usually, mm. you know. So in a sense, there's fix, but it's not just like the therapist is going to do everything and yeah. there's going to be some fixing. Usually, as you were saying, Sabrina, like there's a mutual understanding or maybe of what's going on and you're working quite intentionally on things together. Mm. And, and as an independent person, as someone that someone can come and talk to, where privacy and confidentiality are a big, huge part of it. Mm. They can come and be totally open with you, whereas they might not mm. be able to do that in any, anywhere else in their life and explore what's going on in their life and tell you what they really want. Mm. And then with the knowledge or skills or experience that you know we hopefully have, we can help facilitate that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What I'm hearing is it's not quite the same as like a doctor-patient relationship and that they're the expert and you kind of take their advice no matter what. It's more collaborative, is that right? Well, counselling certainly is. From our perspective, the client and I are on a journey towards whatever it is that the client wants to see happen in their lives. I'm very reluctant to even use the word expert because mm. I don't mm. think I'm mm. ever an expert on anybody else's life. No. They're the expert. So my role is just to support them to investigate and find their own answers. Yeah, and, and I think there's this idea that we're the ones with all the advice mm. on what they should do. And that's a huge pressure and burden for anyone to carry, I think, as though I've got all the answers, which I don't. Um, I think for me, one of my big learning curves in my training was learning how to sit with the unknown and not knowing exactly what they should do at this point to fix that problem. Mm. Mm. That sounds uncomfortable. It is. Yeah, and then, and then coupled with that is this idea that a therapist, well, they must have their life all together. And I don't. <laughs> what? <laughs> Get out. Yeah. So I never feel like I have the right to sit, sit there and say, oh, well, this is what you should and shouldn't do. Mm. What if I've got some kind of issue in my life that I'm struggling with and I've got a couple of good friends who I can talk to about things. What's the difference between talking with a good friend and talking with a therapist? Sometimes good friends can be just great and, and mm. that's all that people need. Mm. And then sometimes it's just not. So that's where the expertise thing's interesting, right? Because the friend doesn't know all of these common patterns and these common habits or common behaviours or common ways of thinking. Mm. They might not be able to identify and pick up on that in the room as you're having the conversation. Mm. Whereas hopefully we can see certain things that a good friend wouldn't be able to do. Mm. You know? So while that chat might be hugely helpful with the friend, there's just other things, you know, that, that we might be able to bring, I think. Mm. Mm. I think the other thing that most commonly happens with friends is they're really quick to go, now, this is you what should. I think you should do. <laughs> mm. yeah. And when that happened to me, yeah. I... Oh. And uh, that's, yeah, that's not always helpful. You hear that all the time, eh? Mm. That, that pe the partners, friends, parents will quickly go out of the phase of the unknown that you're mm -hmm. talking about, yeah. which is such an important phase, like the phase of just sitting with, with the feelings mm. Mm. And, yeah. going, and having someone get it. Mm. I think that's therapy. <laughs> you're literally just sitting with the feelings Yeah. so much of the time. And then the person feels understood, and then you might start mm. talking about what could be helpful, but you don't mm. rush into that. Yeah. Whereas a family member or a friend will likely want, 
not be used to sitting with that. Mm. Yeah, and I think of the times I've kind of shared stuff with friends and sometimes you get that classic thing of they tell you when they had a similar thing happen yeah. to them, yeah. which is natural, you know, but actually if you've just shared something quite hard and they go, mm. oh, yeah, that happened to me last mm. year, yeah. immediately it kind of can devalue <laughs> your experience, you know. Y- you guys don't do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, we're not supposed to do that, no. no. Uh, I, think, I think it comes back, you know, to what you were saying. It's about being willing to sit with uncomfortable feelings and mm. not try and stop them happening. And there's a healing in that, of being able to really express your pain, your distress, your sorrow, and, and having someone really get that and be with you in that, rather than trying to stop you because they feel uncomfortable. Mm. Mm. Yeah, totally. Why would someone go to therapy? Oh, so many so different many reasons. reasons. <laughs> yeah, so many reasons. Yeah, I think it's just if something's not working. Maybe yeah. there's lots of different levels, eh? extreme yeah. distress mm. or just a little bit of discomfort. But people come right across that spectrum. Something's not working for me. I think it could work better. I think somehow my life could be better. Yeah. And what if someone's never been to therapy before? What what can they expect when they go to therapy? I think generically what counselling offers is a safe space, a space where you can come that's confidential, that nothing inside the room is going to be taken outside the room. There's no judgment. No one's going to think that you're a bad person or judge what you bring. Yeah, someone who's going to really listen to you and notice with you and work with you to get what you want. And there's a whole variety of things that can happen in the room to achieve that. Cool, great. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? It does, yeah. 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 <laughs> we do it now. <laughs> I should just have a little competition to see who can stay silent the longest. I feel like we'd be here till tomorrow with a room full of therapists. Um, so if I come to therapy, do I have to tell you everything about my life? Every little thing. Only if you want to. You won't make me. <laughs> no. Okay, no. good. No. And we can't read your mind no. either. No. Oh, no. Yeah, no. that old chestnut. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. Um, do you give advice? No. I, no. I, for me as a psychotherapist, it's about more skills-based mm. things. So mm. like together we'll brainstorm different ways that you can manage feeling overwhelmed by your emotions. So... It's about trying to help that person to figure out what works best for them in those moments mm. as opposed to like saying this is what you should do. Okay. I had once uh, a friend a friend said I just ended up saying to a friend at a barbecue or something like that, you know, well we don't really I don't really give advice. Mm. And they said, Oh my god, that would drive me nuts. <laughs> and 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 I've often thought back on that conversation and thought, well, actually, we do give advice, but it's not like the sort of advice where it's this is the situation, this is what you should do. Mm. It's not like that. It, uh, it's more, as you say, sure, it's about skills. It's about learning how to do things differently, learning how to be flexible, teaching people different skills so that they can go into a situation and when they're faced with, say, for example, they're not very good at being assertive and they have to learn to know what they want, know what they need and express that to someone else. That you're you're helping them develop those skills and maybe coming up with some, some ideas that they could experiment with doing that, mm. and then they do it in the situation, mm. you know. So it's not like you should say this or you have to do this or make this decision, but you're teaching them how to make decisions, 
or teaching them skills around how to make decisions. Mm. I've, I've, I, a few occasions I've been at a social setting and someone said, my therapist told me to dot, dot, dot. And I think to myself, I bet they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bet you just left feeling yeah, like yeah. they told yeah. you to, but yeah. you actually came up with it together. Yeah. 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 And then they come back the this. following week and go, last week when you told yeah. me to, and yeah. you know, oh, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, is therapy a bit weird? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I often sit there and I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, it's like so many other things, but not like any of them. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it a, it's a relationship yeah, it unlike any other relationship yeah, as well. Yeah, Because you could be... You could never have met someone and within 10 yeah. minutes you're going to some pretty deep places. Yeah. 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 It's really weird. And I say that to people usually when I first yeah, meet them. So I'll just say, yeah, well, that is pretty unusual because most people say I'm a bit nervous. Some people mm. say I'm excited, mm. what, you know. You say, yeah, it's totally normal to be nervous because this is a really unusual situation. Like mm. that you come meet a stranger and they start asking mm. you really, like things about your life no one really else is asking. So it is a bit weird. Mm. But but people often say at the end of the session, that was way better than I thought it was going to be. And I hope we get to talk a bit about the therapy relationship mm. because you're doing this intentional work with someone and your mind's whizzing away in the background thinking about how to navigate through a session to be most helpful. Mm. But hopefully the experience for the person is that it's calm, it's safe, that it's warm, that it's useful yeah. Because mm. you kind of, you know, on one level, you're paying someone <laughs> to talk with you. But on another level, I'm hearing that it's also a, actually a very real relationship. Mm. Yeah, I think what it is, it's a professional relationship. Mm. But it's also two human beings in genuine connection with each other. Mm. And what I bring to that relationship is what I would to my best self, where I can genuinely be there for the other person in a non-judgmental and caring way. Mm. And there's something very healing in the fact that here is another human being who cares about you and is genuinely there for you in that moment. Mm. And, and in that, it's absolutely about you and absolutely not about me. But Which is rare, that, isn't it? Uh, yeah, very yeah, rare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the therapeutic relationship is really, really important to be warm, to have that bond, to have that trust. It's also like shared understanding of what's going on, a shared direction and plan on where you're going and how you're getting there. Mm -hmm. And also like a, a shared world view or understanding of them in the world. That also is part of it. Yeah. Hi, it's Mick here. I hope you're enjoying Are You Mental? As you can imagine, making this podcast is a pretty time-consuming pursuit, and I often get asked how people can support the podcast. So what you can do is go to gofundme.com and search the words Are You Mental? That's gofundme.com and search Are You Mental? Okay, on with the episode. So if the relationship's so important, what if I go to a therapist for the first time and I just feel like, they seem nice, but we're not really clicking. What do I do? Well, you could tell the therapist that. Right. And, I mean, that's the scary option. <laughs> and in a psychotherapeutic relationship, it's about, okay, so whatever they're, they're bringing in terms of their perception of us as therapists 
can be really useful information in terms of what that might mean that they're also then bringing to other relationships outside of the therapy room. And then also at an even deeper level, it's about, well, okay, what does this mean about how they're then connecting with themselves as well? Hmm. Either that or it's just, you know, it's okay to try someone else that you do feel like you could click with. But Hmm. you have to be able to try and feel into the situation and mm. kind of trust your gut on this a bit. And that's so it's, it's a weird job. <laughs> yeah. So it's not just the fact that you've had all these kind of years of training and you've sat there in front of whiteboards going, if the client says <laughs> this, <laughs> you yeah, will no. say this. I wish. No way. Yeah, that gets that so easy. much easier. No way. <laughs> so there's a bit of an art piece to it, is there? Yeah. I think it's science and art. Yes, like you I was go to today. uni or whatever it, it is, you know, and you learn the science <laughs> a little bit human behavior, some ideas, some theories. But the art piece, I think, is just allowing yourself as a human being to be present in that moment. Mm. And, oh, this is gonna sound flaky, but I'll put it out there anyway. I think I think in some ways it's a bit of a spiritual kind of mm. endeavor. I'm not talking about religion here. I'm talking about that human connection that just kind of intuits that right now mm. it could be good to do this or go here. I like it, I like it. Now we're about to look into the differences between the approaches these three therapists take. But before we do, let's talk briefly about what a psychiatrist is and how they fit into the therapeutic landscape. A psychiatrist is a medical doctor who specialises in mental health. So they look at the psychological issues we experience through the lens of biology and science. They can conduct tests to evaluate what's going on for us mentally, but they can also talk with us to gather information as well. Like psychologists, psychiatrists are able to give a diagnosis to explain what's going on. While psychiatrists have a range of treatments at their disposal, they're able to prescribe medication in an attempt to bring us more balance mentally. And medication is a pretty common treatment path for a psychiatrist to take. Now, I just want to be really clear here that the reason I didn't talk to a psychiatrist for this episode wasn't because I think what they do is any less valid or or that I'm anti-medication. It's just that I really wanted to specifically explore the differences between these three different forms of talk therapies. Speaking of which, let's get back to the interview. If someone chooses to go to therapy, there's a lot of options open to them as to what type of therapy they choose to go to. And I'm particularly excited to have three different (laughs) therapists in the room. Um, You don't practice the exact same type of therapy, although I'm learning already there's a lot of overlap. In the, in the kind of space you create for your clients. But, but I'd like to start exploring what are the differences so that when people know when they've got options, what might be best for them in that season of their life. So to you, Sabrina, obviously you're a counsellor. Can you tell me what foundational ideas counselling rests on? Sure. Um, counselling foundationally is what I would say as being very person-centred. So it takes the perspective that you're my client, you're coming into my counselling room, you're actually the expert on you. Hmm. And so maybe you've got some issues, maybe you've got some problems, but you've actually got the solutions as well inside you. But those problems have got in the way of you finding those solutions. So I guess my role is to journey with you and find your own answers to that in in the therapeutic safe space that we've all talked about. Hmm. Yeah. And Victoria, what foundational ideas does psychotherapy rest on? So I'm 
trained in, like, technically it's called psychodynamic psychotherapy. So okay. it's about more sort of unraveling the unconscious, mm-hmm. I'd say, would be a real foundational idea. So it's about trying to yeah, unravel all of the emotions, the thoughts, the belief systems that might be getting in the way of you connecting with others. But most importantly, it's about helping you to reconnect with yourself. Hmm. And it's predominantly a, a longer process. So as a psychotherapist, I, you know, someone says, oh, can I you know, come for six sessions and you know, short-term work, we do some skills-based therapy. Yes, I, I can do that, trained in that as well. However, my preference is that it's more long-term work. It's more about trying to get to those core belief systems, emotions, thoughts that are suppressed, not recognized, any trauma that's perhaps blocked that development mm-hmm. and helping the person to sort of come back to themselves and who they actually are. So what I'm hearing is that psychotherapy has, even though it's got a lot of overlap with, say, counselling, it has a particular focus on some of the, the thoughts and the beliefs and the patterns that are happening in a place inside you that you're not yes. at this stage aware of. Yeah. Mm, that's cool. Daniel, can you tell me what foundational ideas psychology rests on? I guess the foundational thing is the scientist-practitioner approach. Mm. And for me, how that translates into therapy or the sessions or whatever is that you do assessment. Whatever that looks like, that could look like just talking and asking questions. So you're assessing, you're you're gathering information. Mm. You might give someone some measures to fill out, some questionnaires, and that gives you insight into either the symptoms they might be experiencing, how strong or not they are. And then you take that information, and then this is one of the biggest things that was sort of really hit home for us in our training was the formulation side of it, is that you take all of that assessment information, however you've gathered it, and then you make sense of it in a formulation, mm. you know, and you can use different types of models to, to do that. You know, a, one model I use a lot is what they call just a five-part model. It's you look at someone's the situation, you look at their thoughts, what they pay attention to or not, their emotions, how they relate to their emotions, their body, like sleep, appetite, do they have panic attacks or it, what's going on physically, and then their actions, what they do or what they don't do. Mm. And so you sort of fit all the information into different types of models and you make sense of it. Mm. But you're sort of, ideally, you're doing that together. So what is, what's the difference between psychology and these other two things? What does psychology offer that maybe counselling and psychotherapy don't? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think for me, when I look down towards the psychology spectrum, I would assume that you have more structured approaches to dealing with particular Mm. client issues yeah and so as a counsellor there'd be times when I might refer someone to a psychologist because they maybe have a phobia yeah and you've got some structured scientific approaches for working with that yeah we call them empirically supported therapies I think yeah not that not that counsellors can't work with that but because you're seen as specialised in that area, I might suggest one of my clients goes and sees you for that particular issue. Yeah. They might, you know, might see them and then you'd try to use that most evidence-based approach to treat that. Mm. While also, and this is a whole other area, which I'm really interested in, is just like 
being as flexible as possible and not being rigid and not just mm. taking a treatment protocol because that's the protocol. You have to work with an individual person. Mm. So, I mean, as a way to explore the possible kind of similarities and differences between the way the three of you work, to kind of give it like a life example, if I was to walk into your practice and sit in your armchair and and for the last few months I'd been experiencing low mood to the point where every day I'm kind of sitting with this this dense heaviness and I've lost interest in things I used to really enjoy and I'm finding it hard to concentrate and even face the day. If I come into your practice, what approach might might you take? It's really hard to answer because it would depend for me on what was either happening for that person in their life right now mm. or if there had been some trauma or some interruption in their in early development. I mean, psychotherapy predominantly is quite focused on those early childhood experiences and mm. the relationship with the primary caregiver. So often for me, it's about seeing if there's a link between what could be happening now is triggering some early experiences that haven't been processed and mm. worked through. And so while it's not like, I think people imagine coming to therapy and it being this kind of exorcism of like revisiting early traumas and stuff, but actually that's really unsafe. So <laughs> it would never be about that unless okay. someone was bringing some memories that they wanted to talk about. But if, if there's a link between early experiences that are triggering present day experiences, then we explore those. Mm. Yeah. I think my first, you know, if you came in with your depression suitcase, I have this suitcase called depression. I'd, mm. I'd want to know a heck of a lot more about that. How does that affect you? How's that affecting your life in a whole variety of different ways? Mm. And then I guess for me, I conceptualise depression as like a circle, not a cycle, a circle. The image that comes to mind is, you know, a whole bunch of kids holding hands like a circle. You know, that game you used to play and you put someone in the middle and they can't get out of the circle because they're stuck there because of all the hands. And so I'd look at the different points on the circle that we could work with. So for example, what's changed in their behaviours? Do we need to work on different kind of behaviours? Do we need to work on their thinking? Do we need to work on their diet? Because mm. actually I've had students who are depressed because they're staying up all night drinking caffeine and not getting enough sleep. Mm. So uh, like you said, Victoria, it's more a holistic point of view, like what's happening in all areas of your life and how many of those areas can we work on? Because if you break the circle at two or three points, mm. the depression is going to lift. Mm. So it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of a technically minded person. You've yeah. got all the kind of different knobs and you, you're kind of balancing. There's the, you know, diet, sleep, mm -hmm. relationships, yeah, you know, past, yeah. yep. possible trauma. And you're kind yeah. of like looking at each one and... And seeing if which ones we can start to work on. Yeah. Daniel. Yeah. Um, I think very similar in many ways, you know, it's like it's that assess assessment sounds like kind of <laughs> not very nice. But assessment, understanding, finding out information, understanding what's going on for that person, what's happened in the recent and a little bit from the long-term past, but I wouldn't tend to go too far into the past in the first session, let's say. Mm. But, you know, in the last few months, last year, last couple of years, what's been happening. Um, and then 
this might sound like kind of sound crass. I don't think in these terms in the in the therapy session. But what's where, where's the biggest bang for the buck? Because I not not now, but have worked in brief therapy, and it really taught me that you never know when you're going to see someone twice. You know, so you can't bet on six sessions, ten sessions, twenty sessions. So you can try and understand as much as you can in one session about what's going on for someone, and then really try to understand well what's the most useful sort of cog here. Mm. You know, or the one or two things that are going to move the things the most for one person at the moment. What's a key thing? How's this person relating to their thoughts? How's this person relating to their own emotions? How caught up do they get in judging themselves often, which can be quite a big mm. thing in depression? Mm. Um, what's some one or two little things this person can do to expand their life yep. again? You know, that's doable. That might give them a sense of momentum, like moving outwards in their life again. Um, mm. Of course, if someone comes depressed, you, you're trying to make sure they're safe as well. You're yeah, trying to make sure they're safe mm, um, because that's one of the symptoms that can go along with depression. So when you see the cluster, you're thinking, well, that could be there too. Mm. Someone might be feeling a bit unsafe towards themselves. Let's make sure that's not there. And if it is there, what mm. can we do to help with that? Mm. Um, and making a bit of a long-term uh, plan with the person, mm. hopefully giving them some hope that, this makes sense. Uh, you're feeling that way given all these things that are going on. Mm. So hopefully instilling some of that hope, which is also another part of the therapeutic relationship, the person goes, oh, okay, someone gets it. And then a huge part of it, and sorry if I'm raving here, but this is when I get, you know, get pretty passionate about this part, is that the person feels understood and that what they're going through, um, they feel valid, mm. you know, that I'm not just weak or I'm not just mm. like, other people handle the stress that I'm going through. Why can't I handle it? You know, that you're a person mm. there going, hey, I'm an objective person here. I'm sitting here going, I really understand why you might be feeling the way you're feeling, given the things that are going on. Mm. And given these like processes that you're kind of caught in a little bit, mm. that you're just doing your best with what you know. And, and this is some ways I think can help. It sounds, I mean, it sounds so helpful. <laughs> As you say that, I'm just like, gosh, I feel more hopeful about whoever that person is already, you know. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's what we're actually um, in the business of, mm. like offering people hope. Mm. Um, yeah. It's good. It's good. I mean, that actually brings me to something a bit more personal. I'm curious to know, um, why did you become a therapist? <laughs> I think that in some ways, being a therapist, it's more than just your profession. It, it, it kind of becomes a way of, being, I think that there has to be this real interest in people and their story, you know, and I think that for me, I'm just, I'm so interested in people and why they are the way they are, why we are the way we are. Mm. I think what keeps me going with it is those moments where someone comes and is like, oh, you know, that moment where we talked about this, actually the next day when I was with someone, I, I realized that that's that's not about them that's about me and and I felt so much better and you know like it doesn't happen that often like that sort of like clearly but those moments where it does it's like oh I'm actually like doing something that means something mm, that's cool how about you Sabrina why are you a therapist why am I a therapist my first iteration was a teacher I'm a teacher by profession mm. and I found myself spending so much more time 
with my students, talking to them about their lives and what was happening in their lives because those things were actually stopping them from learning. And I decided I actually wanted to do that. I decided I wanted to know how to do that properly. So I trained to be a counsellor, which I've been doing for 20 odd years now. And what keeps me there, I think, what keeps me there is the amazing privilege of sitting with someone who's prepared to trust me with their pain, with their difficulties, with their struggles. And I think that's an incredibly privileged position that someone would trust me with that. And I think that process is both, although I'm there for them, as you said, they also teach me so much about life. So I find my clients inspire me about life because mm. they show me resilience and strength. And they, they've taught me over the years, I think, to be a better person. So yeah, I think this job is very rewarding. And one of the coolest things you said, Victoria, is to see someone move from a position of difficulty or stuckness into a broader, more expansive way of being in the world. And that's fantastic to think I've been part of that process. I haven't caused it, they've done it themselves. But I've had the privilege of, of helping them or supporting them in that process. Hmm. That's great. Daniel, what do you love about it? For me, early, it was, um, I came across this idea of like right livelihood you know that right, livelihood. right livelihood i think it's a buddhist thing okay you know i'm not a buddhist but i came across the idea of it and that you know it's good in one's life to have a profession or occupation that is that doesn't do harm mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. and ideally does something good so that feels right in terms of values you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. it feels like a good profession and then like just the the, the day-to-day rewards the moments really um Often it's confusing. You're sitting with someone in the first half of a session, often going, okay, what's going on? What are we going to do here? How's this going to work? And then there's this moment where you're like, oh, right, okay. So we're, you know, we're getting on the same page here. We're understanding this together. So there's those moments like that are great. And then when someone comes back and they say, I I did these things or I did this differently and this helped, that's Mm -hmm. a wonderful feeling. Another wonderful feeling is just when someone comes back and says, and they tell you about how their life's expanding. And you don't, and they're not really going, it's because of your therapy. And maybe it's no. not. Yeah. <laughs> but their life's expanding. Yeah. And you're going, oh, that's great. And there's another side to it, which is where there's the odd occasion where you know, like, because we met and some of the things that we worked on together, there was like a crossroads and it could have gone one way, but it's gone another way. Mm. So you know that was helpful. Mm that was helpful that we met. And mm. I, what a privilege to have been there at that moment and being able to assist in some way. Yeah. Great. Um, what's hard about being a therapist? I think the hardest thing for me is realizing or sitting with the fact that some things cannot be fixed. Mm. Mm. Like some situations are incredibly hard for people. Mm. And although I can help the person sit with that, there are so many things that I hear that make me want to wave my magic wand and go out there and fix things that mm. that cannot be fixed. And yeah, there's some not nice things out there. Yeah, and I guess even after they leave the room, you can't help but hold some of that stuff a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, one of the hard things I think in the profession is learning how to look after yourself, mm. you know, and it does takes time and making some mistakes along the way. You know, we're, like any profession, we're prone to burning out. So, yeah, I mean, I'd say that's one of the hard bits. It's not always an easy job. And as anyone, I'm, a lot of people could anticipate, it can be really difficult sitting mm. with people's hard, hardest stuff. Mm. So, yeah, how do you look after yourself in that? That's the challenge and one of the harder parts. Mm. Yeah. That's good. If someone out there is, is listening to this podcast now and, and they're really struggling with something in their life, but the thought of sitting with a stranger and talking about their most personal stuff seems really weird or even scary, what, what would you want to say to them? We'll do our best to make it not weird and scary, <laughs> to yeah. make it a good experience. Yeah. 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 And I'd like to say that we're not a stranger. We're, we're human beings too. We've been there. I've had my own counselling. I've reached out and talked to somebody. And so, yeah, we're, we're together in this. We're human beings. We're not really strangers. We're just people trying to make sense and meaning of the life that, that we've got. A huge thank you to Sabrina, Victoria and Daniel for giving up their time and being open and honest about this really important work they do. And a big thank you to the Foundation who have continued their support of this podcast. If this episode has brought up anything for you and you want a starting place for getting some help, then wherever you are in the world, you can go to checkpointorg.com global for a list of local organisations. For all things Are You Mental, our website is areyoumental.com. As ever, please rate and review the show so other people get to hear it. Catch you all again soon, and until then, have a mental week.